Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. And today we have an awesome episode for you as we enter draft week, which is tomorrow. All of the buildup and all the hype leading into one of the funnest times of the NFL season when every fan base feels a little bit of hope and excitement for the new players joining their team. We'll give a mock draft breakdown, including our first 10 picks and the predictions of where these players are go. We're joined by Rob Ingram, a special guest, to give his 10 picks as well. Uh, we also dive into the Miami Heat. Jumping out 3-1 on the Milwaukee Bucks and the rest of the playoff action and the biggest storylines that we've taken from there and a little bit of NFL news outside of the draft. That's all next here on the His and Hers podcast. All righty. So Jimmy Butler is Michael Jordan once uh, late April, beginning of May rolls around. Uh, he plays a phenomenal game as it's just wrapping up against Milwaukee Bucks as they seemingly would jump out to a 3-1 lead uh, here in the first round. So as you said, as we were talking about before, we kind of guessed it, but we just thought that they would have beat the Hawks in the play-in and that they'd be doing this against the Celtics. I did not see this coming against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, Giannis has missed two of those games, but... Nonetheless, they're out three to one. Uh, pretty big upset brewing there where I had them picked to make the NBA Finals. Uh, but as we had talked about, the Miami Heat making this very difficult and seemingly will be able to win this first round against the Bucks. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Butler currently sitting at 53 points in this game. He is unbelievable. Just- a different man when it comes to playoff basketball, one of the best and funnest players to watch in the playoffs. And so, I mean, shocking, obviously, from like the entire Bucks organization and also just seeing like Giannis going for 26 points tonight. I think obviously he's not been in two of those games. He's obviously not clearly at 100% health. And I think that's the biggest thing is that a non-healthy Giannis makes it so the Bucks team just is not the same at all. Anywhere close to being able to produce what they're able to do when he's healthy and on the court. Absolutely. And I think this goes back into if you're a 76er fan, you've just got to be kicking yourself that they had essentially a decision ahead of them between Tobias Harris and Ben uh, and uh, Jimmy Butler. And and again, there's been a lot of stories written about it, but I would not be surprised if the reason they leaned with Tobias Harris is that Ben Simmons seemed to gel with him a little bit more. And at that time, the Sixers thought they had a franchise cornerstone in Ben Simmons. So you imagine pairing uh, Jimmy Butler the last, you know, four years Uh, which he seems that he's been in his prime ever since that first year with the Heat in the bubble, take them all the way to the finals. They had kind of a whimper uh, the year after and lost in the first round against the Bucs. And then last year, taking them to one shot away from going back to the NBA finals. And then, you know, this is yet to be written. And we could a week from now be in a situation where they're playing a game seven and the Bucs have kind of picked things back up because they have Giannis. But anytime you get in a 3-1 hole, it's definitely going to take a lot of work to climb yourself back out of it. So that's uh, like a 95% uh, win rate for any team that gets up to three, one. Okay. So odds aren't looking good for the Milwaukee bucks who uh, I have a friendly little wager with one of my 
uh, good friends every single year. We uh, right when the playoffs are about to start, we both pick a team from each conference and wager some money on it. Now, mind you, I'm three and zero. I just want to put that out there that I'm three and zero. Just brag again. a little and bit. So just let's get the good vibes. Uh, I, I've picked the Lakers in the bubble year, and then we've only been doing it three years. And then I picked um, the Bucks to win it that year, and then I picked the Warriors last year, which kind of a sleeper pick. So. I know ball, but this year I went chalk and I had the Bucks and the Nuggets, and the Nuggets look pretty good, but still not not anything to brag it anything to brag about when you go. Might not be your year this year. Might not be. So we said there's a couple surprising things. Obviously, we've talked about this one. Uh, Philly moves on; they're the first team to move on to the second round. The Queen's Queen clean sweep of Brooklyn. We have Boston with a commanding three-one lead. The games in Atlanta weren't easy. They split that, almost lost yesterday. Uh, Denver could have swept Minnesota uh, last night. Ended up losing in overtime. They fall down. Oh, they still lead the series 3-1. Phoenix is up 3-1 on the Clippers. I want to pause at that series and ask you, is Kawhi Leonard the most frustrating superstar uh, that you have ever, I mean, watched? I, I don't know what the word would be, but if you're a Clippers fan, you have to be pretty frustrated with how his tenure in the Clippers has 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 gone. Yeah, I mean, Kawhi's just had an interesting career overall. He's just one of those players that it's like you can see, you like see these glimpses of greatness where it's like you know that he is such a baller. He is such an incredible like presence on the floor when he's at his best and the things that he can do from a passing perspective and like just uh, like the way that he's able to control a game when he is in the zone is like very unique according to even some of the greatest people in the NBA right now. But the problem with Kawhi is that he is getting more and more that that's a very rare showing that you see in him where it's like, I think like, it's like the peak for Kawhi to me is always going to be obviously Toronto Raptors. Like it's like that 2019 season is going to be where he peaks. And then it's going to be, I think this is going to be kind of the expected for the rest of the time. Like he's riddled with injuries. He's not consistent. And then it's like, how many times, I mean, the Clippers, Two years ago, they made all these moves. They get these players, and it's like, oh, the Clippers are going to be the new Golden State Warriors. And it's just been consistent disappointment for that organization for the past three years. And so it's just so frustrating to watch Kawhi because it's like you want to love him because you've seen so much good from him. But then it's so frustrating when it's consistently in the big moments. You're not seeing that as much as you do in other players across the league. Absolutely. And by the time you listen to this, that series may have already wrapped up. They play game five on Tuesday in Phoenix. Paul George is out. Kawhi Leonard's already been listed as out for game five with that knee. And you're looking at a situation where Russell Westbrook has been the best player and he's kept him in both of the games in Los Angeles. And really outside of Kawhi Leonard shooting in game one is, you know, the main pillar of the why they won that first game. It's been fun to see the you know the revitalization of Westbrook, but at the expense of not having the other two, it just well that's the thing. You you pair a 2023 Russell Westbrook against a Kevin Durant and a Devin Booker and a Chris Paul, like it's just not a fair matchup, no matter how much Westbrook puts out there. Yeah, and ever since signing, it's crazy that it's been four years since him and Paul George teamed up in Los Angeles. I want you to guess the percentage of the games that they've played together since signing with the Clippers four years ago. 
percent. Oh, those two, I'm going to say like maybe 27%. Wow. Pretty close. 22. So 22% of the time uh, that there's been a game since 20, what was it? 2019 that they uh, joined, I think 2019, 2020 season. Yeah. Cause it went into COVID. That was the first year. And that's when they played most of their time together was in that year. They go into COVID, they lose in the bubble to the Nuggets. They then have the next year, they were on and off with injury, but they go into the playoffs and then Kawhi Leonard tore his ACL against Utah Jazz. And then over the last couple of years, he missed all of last season. It was mostly the Paul George show. And then this year, it's been back and forth between the two. But 22%, pretty crazy to think about four years ago and nothing to show for it. Uh, we also have big news today. It was released that De'Aaron Fox broke his finger, the tip of his finger on his left hand, and is now doubtful for game five, which would happen, I believe, on Wednesday. Yep, uh, so tonight. What do you make of that one? It's 2-2 going back to Sacramento, but De'Aaron Fox might be out for the rest of the series. How do you see that one shaking out with the Kings losing one of their key cogs? Yeah, obviously a big hit if it ends up him not being able to play. But I think the key here is that the Golden State Warriors have not been good on the road all season long. I mean, we've talked about that before. They have been, they look great at home. They do not look good on the road. And there's just something about, and I just think it goes back to the type of environment that the Sacramento Kings were able to create in their home stadium in those first two games. I think we're going to see a repeat of that. And so obviously it's going to be a blow to the, Kings to have De'Aaron Fox out, but I do think that there's still possibility for them with the efficiencies of that offense, with being home. I don't think that it's completely out of the realm to say that they can pull out a game five win and keep pushing this series. I think it's very likely that this is a game. This is this is the seven game series of the of the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think noting that road record is important. Obviously, what you've shown me is what you are. Uh, and so believe it. And I think that they've shown that they are not a good road team and that place will be a tough place to play. Obviously, if Fox doesn't play, then they're going to need a big performance from like a Malik Monk or, you know, Kevin Huter, who is, I think he's like four for like 25. It's something where he's an unbelievable three-point shooter, great playmaker, and he is shooting abysmal this series. They would need him to kind of shake out of his funks for them to have a chance. Yeah, and I mean, there is always like, I feel like there is when there's, I mean, inevitably every playoff series, we always see injuries and there is always those times where those bench players really step up and like do some incredible things. And so I'm like, it kind of, maybe it can be an incentive for one of those guys to, it's like, okay, Fox is out. Like they take that on of like, I have to make up for that. And so we might see some really cool play from one of those players, you know, you just never know how they're going to take it mentally and prep for the game. Absolutely. I do think Golden State will end up winning that, uh, especially with Fox out. I thought that they had the momentum, being able to escape with the game where Steph makes one of his biggest blunders in postseason play by calling that timeout. And then Isn't that crazy. Outside of that, even the next, you know, when they had the ball and he shot the floater with 12 seconds left, I mean, just a weird performance from him overall. And you're not going to get that type of game from him again. So them not winning that. And now it's a best of three and you have an experienced team. Now you're down your best player. I think, I think things are starting to roll uh, for the Warriors. And obviously that means that they meet up with either the Memphis Grizzlies or the Los Angeles Lakers, which check behind you, Paige. What is the score currently in that game? We are currently at 8-4 Memphis up. 8-4. Uh, Memphis, so went up, 
Memphis went up 6-0, so they went off to a hot start, but then uh, the Lakers have been able to get a couple breaks and do some fast breaks down the court. So Look at that. So they're not going to jump out 35-9 to to like they did a couple nights ago. So the Memphis is already off to a better start. Going to be awesome. It's going to be an awesome playoffs. The only note I had, the last thing I'd say is that if you are Philly or Boston – the way that that top half of the bracket with New York be you know looks in, in command of that one and Miami in command of the other one, you really like your chances if you can get past whoever wins that one would obviously be the odds-on favorite to make the NBA Finals if Miami or New York you know would would end up playing in that next round. Still a lot that's got to shake out. You know stuff could change when it comes to that side, but right now if you're Philly or Boston, you got to be feeling pretty good about your chances if you can just get out of the second round uh, to get into that conference finals. Um, so there's a couple of things I want to talk about before we uh, meet up with Rod to, to go over our, um, our mock drafts, first 10 picks and our biggest storyline. The one I want to ask, did you see uh, the Cardinals uniforms, the new unveiling? No, I want to see him for the first time on the podcast. So I okay. haven't looked him up yet. Here we go. All right. I want your instant reaction to them. And then it's going to lead me to a question that I have for you. Okay. I'm pulling them up right now. Okay. Here it is. The big reveal. The big moment. The one everyone's been waiting for. Yes. Oh. Okay. Okay. I'm looking at them. All right. Is that oh bad or is it good? I like them. They're clean. Oh, you're a fan. Yeah. Okay. I like the simplicity. I like the I like the monochromatic of going white on white, red on red, black on black. Okay. They're you, clean. You, you like the monochromatic. That's what the uh, the Utah Jazz that do right with their new uniforms. Just very yep. like a modern yeah, thing standard. to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think they're bad. They're not like I think that they're missing. I think that one thing that they're missing is one thing that I really like in football jerseys, at least having like some sort of vintage feel to like the team that they were when they first started. And I feel like that's this is completely like missing any element of that. Uh-huh. But I think that they're nice. They look good. OK. What I'm, I would... I'm thinking from your voice that you're you're not a fan of these. Well, they're OK. Uh <laughs> I I don't know. Like I just like you said, I the, the best part about them is the helmet. I think the helmet if you look it has I was reading kind of the uh the write up on them and the, like that white helmets have a silver sparkle in them mm-hmm. like a That's flag fun. and it's kind of what like the Patriots do so when it's rain do it's what the Patriots have done <laughs> uh where in the rain, you can see the sparkle or like when the lights are on, if you're playing in a prime time. So I like those. I'm not a huge fan of like no name on the black or the white. They are on the sides where like the sleeves are at. They say Cardinals, you know, the red yeah, one has interesting. the red one has Arizona across it, but the other ones like that black one, it just looks like they ripped off Ohio state's alternate uniforms. Like it, yeah. Look up Ohio State's black alternates, and it you're staring at them. So didn't seem like there was a ton of creativity. I just, I like you said, I think going back a little more modern, I think would have been good. But I will say, anything is better than what they were wearing for the last 15, 16 years. That <laughs> piping and it looked yeah. outdated for the last at least five to six years. So it's good to see them make a change. 
and you know going a little more simple is never bad but i just thought it was yeah. uh I, the black ones the more me. i look at it i feel like the more i look at it the more i feel like they look like practice uniforms rather than actual like game uniforms like they're just missing like kind of the finesse for me and i don't know maybe we'll see different versions of it because like the one i'm looking at it looks like uh the arizona is like sc- it looks like everything is screen printed there's no like embroidery and i think that that like that embroidered look i think always goes more vintage and kind of has like some elements there so i think there's some things that they could do to make this better but I mean, I I'm just, just I mean, glad how, I'm not a Cardinals fan. How, I hate how, the color red. How long did that take to make? I mean, honestly, like. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that there's like, there's been teams of, you know, there's teams of these designers that have been working on this unveiling for the past like two years. And this was their big moment to show what they've come up with. You know, the amount of rounds of edits and discussion that this has gone over and all these people agreed on that. I'm telling you, if you if you have not seen Ohio State's all black alternate, it is. They're I, just missing that stripe down the leg on the. But it's the exact same. Yeah, it does look very very similar. I just I, that's what I think is really weird. I oh. get you know Nike makes makes both of them, and they're just like, well, this worked for the other school, a uh, uh, university, so let's just <laughs> let's throw. A maybe they dis- maybe they discovered maybe they discovered in all of their research that there's like an insane amount of uh, Arizona fans that are also Ohio State fans, so they were just trying to streamline it between the two. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then like random thought, the white ones they they sort of carry into the uh, the 49ers like alternate uniforms, like the 49ers have an old school they go all white, and it has very similar vibes to that one too. So I do really like the white cleat though with the red lining. I think that cleat actually looks pretty cool. Yeah. That's fair. So at least at least they got some nice kicks to go with their practice jerseys. Yeah. Uh okay. I just I wanted I'm glad we got your instant reaction. <laughs> that was cool. I you know, yeah. I didn't tell you that I we were gonna talk about that's that. a prize for the people. Yeah. There you go. And I want people to follow along. I'm gonna post this on Instagram and I want you guys to tell me what you guys think. Uh, the next part I want to talk about before is kind of the last one. Did you see that Jonathan Gannon interview? Uh, actually, this was at when they were unveiling, you know, kind of not to, I guess I'm not, I'm trying to be a Cardinal hater here. I just, these two interactions are really funny. Uh, <laughs> but did you see what he, that exchange he had with the media when, after they had unveiled the uniforms? No. So, the host of the proceeding said he's comfortable and he seems ner- not nervous at all in talking to reporters. And this is from uh, Pro Football Focus. And this is what he ended up saying. I'm very comfortable talking to the media. Philly is a very hard media market. Now, I remember he was the defense coordinator for, coordinator for Philly last year. We were 9-0 and and I did my presser and they say, Coach, we want you fired. And I said, we're the number one defense in the NFL right now in every statistical category. Why do you want me fired? You don't blitz enough. I said, well, we lead the sack, the league in sacks by 30-plus sacks. So if you want to come call the defense, then you can have at it. And not knowing that, you know, obviously people would be like, oh, I felt like that would have made like news last year if a defense coordinator would have told the reporters to come call the defense. So PFF, Pro Football Focus, poured through uh, the kind of the transcripts that they had with the coach. And none of this, like they one, they were never nine and oh, they were eight and one and nine and one. So obviously you could could have got uh mistaken there. So nine and oh never happened this year. Um, they poured through all the transcripts and there was n- there was no evidence of an exchange like this. 
They were never statistically the number one defense in any category. They ended up being the number one in sacks, but they never led it by 30 sacks, like he uh, said. Uh, It just made me laugh. Let's see. The the Eagles had a short season when it came to sacks. They reached 70, the third most in the NFL. Um, But they were second most was 55 by the Kansas City Chiefs. So they finished 15 more. So I just think it's really funny that a coach would get up. You know, he thinks in a new city, he thinks that people have forgotten about him in Philadelphia. And then he just starts saying some really weird stuff like that. And if you didn't see his first like video, the Cardinals put out where he's like just awkward as could be, I highly encourage you to work it up. Cause he like goes to Rondell Moore and he's like, yeah, you, we're going to go all over the field. It was weird, awkward, and I just think it's going to blow up. I just don't think Jonathan Gannon is uh, is a – he just seems weird. I'm going off vibes listen, only. Vibes are weird. Listen, there's there's the stats that the NFL records, and then there's the stats that each individual person thinks that they should have recorded. So just because it's his truth doesn't make it any less true. In this day and age, his truth might be the truth. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, tr- your his truth is his truth. I can't yeah, lie. you can't so, argue with his truth. You know. Yeah, yeah that's a very, very good point. <laughs> uh, any last minute thoughts before we turn it over to Rob in our mock draft? No, let's get to mock draft time. All right, all right. Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett, alongside my sister Paige, and we have special guest Rob Ingram joining us today to to give. His prediction for the first 10 picks of the first round and his biggest storyline. So we figured what we would do. Obviously, the first 10 picks are the ones with the most anticipation. If your team picks a little bit later, uh, you know, sad for you. It gets boring a little bit later on. So you never know. Third round is the best round of the whole entire draft. So That's the meat of the draft this year. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So what we'll do is we'll list out the pick, uh, who we think we're going to take. If there's agreements or disagreements, we will make our cases. Uh, We'll make it down through to 10. And then at the very end, we'll give our prediction for either the biggest rides or biggest fall or whatever we want to do. Just one wild hair pick uh, that we think will happen in the NFL draft. So uh, well, this wait, one, wait, 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 Zach. I feel like you failed to give the people some clarity into what makes Rob uh, qualified to discuss the NFL draft. Well, let's let's give <laughs> Rob the floor here. Uh, you get thirty seconds. State your case for why people should take uh, your uh, prediction seriously, Rob. Why they should take my prediction seriously is because I'm a Raiders fan and I've known <laughs> nothing for twenty five years now, but looking forward to the draft. So. I've probably put about as much time into this as anyone because I'm always looking forward to next year as a Raiders fan. There's not ever much to look forward to. I'm also always let down, but I really, I've actually, I've liked college football more than um, NFL my whole life. And I've just been enthralled with prospects and trying to see how they perform at the next level and just, it's one of my biggest passions. That's what I listen to. Zach knows that's all we talk about, about all day, every that day. Is. So. We go, go to the gym in the morning, and it's just a full draft breakdown of, of what to <laughs> expect. So like like Rob said, uh, in I think it was week week four after the Raiders start 0-3 or 0-4, and he said, well, I'm already looking forward to April. I'm, I'm getting out mock draft season, Daniel right, Jeremiah baby. and Bucky Brooks. So <laughs> yep. We won too many games. We should be picking Bryce Young, but another story. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I guess that is a great uh, segue into pick number one. It's been highly discussed who is expected to go here. Uh, so I'll ask the two of you, your number one pick, the Carolina Panthers are selecting. Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Yeah, it's, it's Bryce Young. Uh, any thoughts on that? It's kind of was up in our, I remember early on when they first traded up, everyone was saying CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud was the guy. But why do you guys think they're going to take the role of the dice on Bryce Young instead? I just think that the draft's so much more about, like, obviously, like, you look at the statistics and, like, from a standpoint of, like, when you look at C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, like, I think that C.J. Stroud had a better, like, career and he's kind of, like, the obvious choice. But there's so much more that goes into it. Like, these teams are working with these individuals. Like, they're flying them out. They're meeting with them. They're watching them practice. They are doing all these things. And it's, like, it's not just about, like, the statistics. It's also about how the person meshes with the group. And so it's just, like, everything that's coming out of Carolina is just pointing towards, like, like Bryce Young is their guy and CJ Stroud is not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What do you about you, Rob? You know, I think that if this was five years ago, there's no chance that Bryce Young is getting picked right now as number one. But honestly, I think just watch the film with Bryce. He has the processing ability that no one else in this whole class has. I mean, just the decisions he makes, his escapability in the pocket. He's got enough arm. It's not like elite, but he can make every throw. And I think he just processes and creates unlike anyone else. And that's what the new NFL is. I mean, look at the guys in the Super Bowl, Hertz and Mahomes. He's smaller, but he does a lot of the same things as Patrick Mahomes can do, you know, just keeping plays alive and making the, the right read when he needs to. So. I think that's key. I think, like you said, if it was five years ago, but if we look at the quarterbacks, you know, Kyler Murray, you know, Baker Mayfield wasn't exactly, he was a bit stouter, both of them were, but still in that shorter range than what was traditional. And it's really what comes down to it is no one questions whether his brains will be there or if his arm talent's there. They just wonder if he can hold up uh, for a 17-game season. And maybe he can, maybe he can't, but as has been said, he's worth the risk. So I think everyone's in agreement there. So moving to pick number two, uh, Paige, pick number two, the Houston Texans are on the board and they're selecting who? Kyrie Wilson, edge rusher oh. from Texas Tech. Oh, he Ooh. has been climbing up some boards. That I is, like that. I have heard that. Um, what, what, that's funny. I was actually thinking about that. I didn't go that direction, but what made you end up going with the Texas Tech product? I just think that like, you, you, when you're in this position, you just have to take the best available person. And there's those key spots that like edge rushers are just so critical to the game of football. And I think it's a position that a lot of people that aren't like in like football mindset all the time, they don't think about how important of a position that is. But I mean, the Houston Texans, like they need as much help as they can get. And I think if you're able to get an edge rusher in there on that team, the kind of caliber that Tyree is, that it's just like an opportunity you can't pass up. In, in the draft, like when you're second pick, Ceiling's it just high. kind of seems, yeah. Ceiling's high. No, I agree with you. And a fun fact I learned from uh, um, Daniel Jeremiah is that the, you know, uh, the head coach of Miko Rounds comes from San, San Francisco 49ers, right? And the defensive line coach at the San Francisco 49ers, who would everyone say is doing a pretty good job with that unit, is the highest paid defensive line coach in the NFL, is a Texas Tech guy. So a lot of people are connecting the dots that he spent a lot of his time in San Francisco. They were talking about uh, him a lot, and now they're going to pair him. D'Amico's going to take that swing with the dude with a little bit of higher ceiling. But, Rob, what, what would you say? Pick number two the Houston Texans are taking. 
Will Anderson. Ah, uh, that's who I got. Alabama. That's who I got. Yep. I like Tyree yep. Wilson a lot. I actually was debating that heavily, but a lot of the same reasons. I think defense is the way they're going to go. Mostly that San Francisco influence. D'Amico Ryan's comes from he saw San Francisco for years how they built a team and they had average quarterback play that they wanted bet to to improve, but their D line was just beast. I mean, that's always carried them and they've always been competitive. But the other connection I made, D'Amico Ryan's, you know where he went to college? Bama. <laughs> I think there's a Bama connection there with Nick Saban and Will Anderson. He's going to ha- know everything about um, Will Anderson. He's close with the Bama program still from everything I've read. So I just pick your poison. They're both really good. So, Yeah, and you look at Alabama's history. I, I went Will Anderson as well, number two. You look at the history, and Nick Saban says he's the hardest worker that has ever been in his football program. And that is saying an absolute truckload. So I agree with you there. Uh, pick number three uh, is slated to the Arizona Cardinals. You want Who to the Arizona ahead, Cardinals Paige. pick? Paige. This might be my this might be my craziest bet, but oh, I think Cardinals aren't going to pick at three. I think they're going to trade with the Raiders. Raiders are going to trade oh, up, and they're going to get CJ Stroud. That's exactly what I did. No way! Oh, shut up. Yes, that's exactly what I did. Those conversations are heating up. Stroud's going to be, I mean, Garoppolo's just kind of filler year, and (laughs) CJ Stroud's going to Oakland. I mean, Las Vegas, not Oakland. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did the exact same thing. I think Rob shared with me a quote where people that he's been saying that they fell in love with Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. So if it wasn't one of those two guys, then they weren't going to pick. And what they have pick number seven. Seven. So instead of hoping that he falls to him, just going and getting him and you don't have to trade as much because you're only going to four spots. So mm-hmm. I did the same thing. They're going to go get CJ Stroud, you know, let him sit behind Jimmy G for as long as they need to and uh, and have the quarterback of the future. I did the same wow. thing. Let's go. I love it. That's uh, what I want to happen. A hundred percent as a Raiders fan. <laughs> I want CJ, but I, saw an article today drop for some insiders for the Raiders that I really liked that said they are going to play it safe and go offensive line or defense. I think it's a smoke screen. I think they're kind of hoping that Stroud or one of those guys falls to him at seven and they don't have to trade up, but I don't know. It's made me start to doubt. So, but we can just roll. Do you want to roll with that for the, let's for do the it. Steve mock. Let's just say the Raiders moved up. There we go. Yeah. That you, makes you, me happy. There you I'm, go. going, yeah. I'm good with it. The only, That's the only other way decision. that, it's like enough, the only other the only other team that's in between them that I think would be worrisome that would go after CJ Stroud if he was still on the table is the Detroit Lions. Yeah. And yeah, so with them that. being right there, it's like that's where it's like I feel like the Raiders would feel that pressure to trade up is because having a team like the Lions there, like they would pick up CJ Stroud if he's there. Yeah. yeah. He's just too good. Everyone's making a big deal out of this S2 cognition. I don't buy that. I think he's I think he's just a stud. So he'll, he won't last that long. Yeah, in my opinion. So we re we arrive at pick number four. So we have our first trade as a team. The Raiders go up and get their guy. Sitting in the pick number four, the Indianapolis Colts. A lot of smoke coming out of there. I'll reveal. I'm going to follow the smoke and the tea leaves. And the Indianapolis Colts will pick Will Levis. They fall in love with the quarterback from Kentucky. He, I think, has the highest. Well, I would say Anthony Richardson has the highest boom. Uh, but from all 
signs will levis has the biggest bust factor of all three just from his last year in kentucky but what he's shown in years previous you hope that you can get a josh allen type of pop when you take his like, type of athleticism and there's been a lot of smoke about various teams falling in love with him but there's also kind of like the interesting richardson maybe we'll get into there's not like a designated team other than the Indianapolis Colts. I could see them taking Anthony Richardson. I've been going back and forth, depending on who you talk to. You could see either one, but it just seems like they're leaning more and more into the Will Levis hype, and I could see that happening. So I'm going number four, Will Levis, the Colts. That's what I got, too. Yeah, I I think they're going to go Levis. There's too much, but I will say they should draft Anthony Richardson. That's, if I we're just too. talking, if we're just yes. talking hy- hypotheticals, if you're going to swing, swing. I mean, yeah. Anthony well, the Colts, Richardson. the Colts always do what they shouldn't do over the yeah. past seven years when it comes to a quarterback <laughs> position. So we're yeah. going to go with Levis on that one. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what they're going to do, but we all know what they should do. Go after the go after the one, only guy in this draft that's got the potential to probably become on like that Patrick Mahomes tier if he hits the ceiling. Absolutely. So, Rob, I'll start with you. Pick number five, we have the Seattle Seahawks. Um, This is the pick that they got in the Russell Wilson trade, so they get it at number five. Who do you see them taking at the fifth pick? So, looking at what they did this offseason, I think everything they're doing is trying to build the defense. They brought back Bobby Wagner. They got Draymond Jones from Denver. Um, Jaron Reed. I think they go Jalen Carter. They're going to build a bully up front. Ooh, that's a good pick. I thought about that too. I mean, he's was supposed to go number one in the draft to the Bears when this all started. Everyone thought Jalen Carter. Yeah. He's had some hiccups. But Fair. I, I don't think he's going to fall that far, much further than five. I mean, he's just too good. His tape's unreal. When you get comp to Warren Sapp, you're not going to fall that far. <laughs> no. <laughs> I went the same vein. I went Tyree Wilson. I, I went with an edge rusher. Uh, just because if you're not creating havoc in the backfield, not that Jalen Carter can't do that uh, because just because of his history, you may be feeling a little more safer going with Tyree over the last couple months that Jalen Carter has been going through. And, t- and you know, Paige has Tyree going pick number two. So obviously the ceiling is there. Uh, so I see Tyree Wilson going to the South Seahawks in the same vein, building up that defense and giving Geno a good chance at running back his success from last year. Paige, what about you? Uh, this is where I've got Will Anderson going. Oh, so, oh yeah. Okay. True. Yeah, fair. Yeah. He's there. That makes, so, if he fell, I, yeah, you just flip flopped him. Because I think because so, yeah, the Texans they pick up Tyree, so then Seattle okay. will Lincoln, they're all going defense. So that's where I got Will Anderson going. Yeah, makes sense. I like it. All right, pick number six. We're now at the Lions. Um, they're slated at six. This is the one they got from the Jared Goff trade or the uh, Matthew Stafford trade. So paying off for them a couple years later. Obviously, the Rams got the Super Bowl, but they get pick number six. Who do you have the Lions taking here, Rob? So they traded Jeff Akuda. They brought in some DBs, Cam Sutton. I, another a pretty decent free agent signing, but I think they're going to go corner. Uh, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. Same. That's what I got too. Yep. <laughs> Wait, we're all aligned on yeah. this one? Okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The, the Lions are just too predictable. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and Witherspoon is like... That dude, he just hits. He's not that big, but he plays with like a nasty streak and he creates turnovers. I think he'd be a good good pick for them. 
Yeah, no, I think he fits that mentality, that man Campbell persona of just bulldog, going to beat dudes up at the line, be a ball hawk, uh, not afraid to stick his nose in on the run, even though he's only 180 pounds. So I think think that's the key. He's a player that you know that Dan Campbell, like he's the type of player Dan Campbell wants. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We I all think. watch hard knocks. That's a must. You got to have, <laughs> you gotta have dogs. Big dogs. Big dogs got to eat. Puppy's going to pee on the porch or whatever. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So number seven, um, this is where the Raiders are at. We, we were in unison. So the Cardinals traded back. So now let's say it's the Cardinals picking here. Who do you have the Cardinals picking a pick number seven in a trade? With the Raiders. Either one. Go ahead, Paige. Okay. I've got the Cardinals going defensive, picking up a corner. Uh, Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. I could see that. I think uh, I, I can see that because it's true. It's going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> Gonzalez is good. If the Raiders stay at seven corners, I mean, I, I think he's a stud. He's going to be really good, but. I have Tyree still on the board. So that's honestly, mm. if they were stuck at three, that's who I was debating was Tyree Wilson or yeah. Jalen Carter at three. So if they get him at seven. They're, they're sitting pretty. And that's the way I think they would go in, in our mock for sure. Yeah. I could see Christian Gonzalez. I don't disagree with that, but I still have Jalen Carter on the board. And with the retirement of JJ Watt, the Cardinals need as much talent as possible. And if you tell them they can trade back, from pick three to pick seven and get a top, you know, guy that we had talked about could be a top two pick. I think that they'd be stoked. So I think if they get to pick seven and Jalen Carter's still on the board, that card won't be turned in fast enough. I think they'd end up picking uh, Jalen Carter with that pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, tremendous you guys, talent. You guys hot on Jay, You guys hot on Jalen Carter? Oh, oh yeah. You, oh, yeah. You're not. He's free falling in your mind. Huh? He's. He's, He's free, free falling. It's all a strategy. Oh, is he falling to the Vikings in your wish list here? I just it seems a little likely here. We just need to keep him away from the Eagles because he goes with all those Georgia boys on the Eagles at 10. That's not what anyone in the NFC wants to see. No, no, that's actually a very good point. All right, we're at number eight. So uh, the last thought I have of the Cardinals, though, is they need more help than anybody. I think they have one of the least talented rosters. So really anyone there is going to help Literally them out. anybody so, that's left, they'll be better than they are. The facts. Okay, so pick number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, there's been a little bit of running back buzz. Maybe Bijan Robinson hops in the top ten. But which way do you guys have the Atlanta Falcons going here at pick number eight? I got a surprise here a little bit, maybe. Throw it um, out. I got Nolan Smith. What? Ah, that's what I have. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. <laughs> I think Nolan Smith is this year's Trayvon Walker. He just blew up the combine. He's a freak, absolute freak. And he's got a lot of potential to be really good. Someone's going to fall in love with him in the top 10. He's just too athletic. Yeah. I like that. Falcons need it. Pass rush. They need that bad. So, so, this is where I think the fall stops for Anthony Richardson. I think the sleeper team, there's been a little smoke. They've played low key with their quarterback needs, but I think, I don't think they're going to go and trade up for a quarterback. But if I think if Anthony Richards falls to the Atlanta Falcons, I don't think Arthur Smith wouldn't take that opportunity to have just a freak of an athlete in that division 
where he loves running the football. And I think you pair him with Anthony Richardson, who's got a cannon who could stretch the field with Drake London, but then be able to run a lot of that read option stuff to get him comfortable. I think this is the sleeper Anthony Richardson team pick number eight to the Falcons. If he were to fall to him, I don't think they go up and get him. But I think I think that I've heard it. I just think I kind of made sense to yeah. me. So I'm going to roll with it. I like it. Well, I don't hate it. <laughs> last offseason, weren't they just thought they had Deshaun? I mean, for hundreds of millions guaranteed. And yeah. then the Browns kind of swept in. You can't think that they're okay with just Desmond Ritter. No. I mean, no offense to Desmond. He might be good, but <laughs> I think he I think he might be on to something there. He? Yeah, I mean, Desmond Ritter's best day is still like probably top well, like maybe 12th best quarterback in the league. I, yeah. I, you don't see that that ceiling pop with him. All right, so now we've reached the Chicago Bears who traded back from number one uh, down to number nine with Carolina. Uh, they have a lot of holes to fill. Who do the, the Chicago Bears pick, Paige? A Mr. Jalen Carter. Oh, he's going to fall is, to him. He's okay. going to fall to him. This is my call. If he doesn't fall to them, I think that I, I think there's a very good chance that he does fall. But if he doesn't, then I think the Bears trade back. And I think they even pick up even more in the second and third round. And they trade back for this one because I don't think that they are dying to pick up anybody if Jalen Carter's not there. Especially if one of those quarterbacks is falling and there's a team that wants to hop into the 10th pick to get him. I could definitely see that. Like if a Will Levis doesn't get picked by the, you know, whatever happens, I think you're, I think you're onto something too. I like that. If the bears come out of this draft with all that draft capital and (laughs) Jalen Carter still, they're going to look like geniuses. Seriously, (laughs) Best trade ever made. Absolutely. Which would be bad for us. I got him picking Nolan Smith right here. I think, uh, Mm -hmm. I think, I think the bears need it. And I think whatever defender, whether it, maybe it's Tyree, maybe it's Jalen Carter or Nolan. I think whatever, whoever's there at pick nine, I think they're just going to take, take it from the litter. I just think they want to upgrade the defense in any way. So whichever one they can get, they'll add to the bunch. I think O-line, I'm going to go O-line and say, Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. They need a yeah. right tackle bad. Um, yeah. I mean, Tevin Jenkins, they drafted him a couple years ago. They kicked him into guard midseason, and he was elite. I think he made the Pro Bowl, and they don't have a right tackle. I think they they have Alex Leatherwood somewhere deep down on, like, six string trying to start for him. So I think that's they got to protect Fields if he's going to get the ball to the weapons they're trying to bring over for him. Yeah, I think they go that way. I like that. I like that. Okay, so we're on the last pick of our mock draft, number 10, the Philadelphia Eagles. They get this pick from New Orleans. Um, so, I mean, unbelievable that the team that was just in the Super Bowl is picking at number 10 doesn't happen very often. I hate those guys. I hate the Eagles so much. <laughs> I suck. I'm on record telling Rob that they're going to go under 500, so that's how much my hate. We got some money on it, actually. No, uh, I, you have another bet. I, yeah. I was too late. He's just I, letting his he's letting his uh, hatred cloud his judgment a little yeah, bit on that one. It absolutely yeah. does, and I don't have any care for it. So, <laughs> right. uh, pick number ten. What do you guys think? I think they're going running back. I think this is where you see Bijan. the first Bijan Robinson <laughs> get picked up. Bijan, okay. Bijan, probably the best player in the draft, maybe as far as just superstar potential. But he's even on the Eagles. Yeah, wow. they say. I don't think Howie Roseman will take a running back, though. Yeah, that's where I'm at. 
That's right. I'm going to go surprising too because I saw this little smoke and I like it too much to not go with it. <laughs> Jackson Smith and Jigba. Oh, dude, know. that would be crazy, dude. Devontae, oh. AJ, JSN, and instead of Quez Watkins or whoever they got in the slot, that he'll go to the bench. JSN's going to, that'll be the trio everyone's got to deal with. Good luck. Dude, that would be, that would be crazy. Bijan would be crazy too. Actually, that's that would be a good outcome for anyone. That would be. Um, so I'll just end with something that's kind of kind of nuts as well. But I think the Steelers will trade up mm. with the Eagles. They'll go mm. from seventeen to ten. They'll pick swap whatever they need to do on the back end. I'm not into that business. And they'll take Paris Johnson Jr. Uh, you Ooh. look at Kenny Pickett. Uh, the number one thing they need to do for Kenny Pickett is protect him. That offensive line, bottom half of the league, bottom ten, five probably in the league in terms of protecting quarterback. So I think they make an aggressive move, go get a high talent to tackle and begin building out. Uh, and and Howie Roseman is you know notorious for trading back and collecting assets. So moving pack seven where they could still pick up probably B. John Robinson, if that were one, or is a flowers or something to add to that offensive group, I think it would work out for both. So I think the Steelers trade up and get Paris Johnson Jr. That is my I, I like that actually a lot. So. Really, that's a great pick for the Steelers. They need line bad. They need offensive line. Except I want Zay Flowers on the Vikings. So don't put that juju out there. He needs to do it. He needs hey, to I've been telling Zach that for months. He Zay has Flowers is like baby. never even heard of the Antonio, guy, but now Antonio now Brown. <laughs> had a, Antonio Brown and Emmanuel Sanders had a son, and it's Zay Flowers. <laughs> That's a perfect description. <laughs> All right. And, and it's funny, uh, Ryan Rosillo listened to his podcast, and he said that if uh, if Zay Flowers went to any other university, he'd be a, a consensus top 10 pick. So a lot, of, a lot of buzz. So to wrap this up, we'll wrap it up real quick. Paige has uh, got some dinner reservations. But cool. let's give our prediction of the wildest prediction we think of the entire draft. Uh, do you guys have one cooked up? I kind of prodded you a little bit before. I'll lead with mine. And it's not one I'm particularly excited about, but there's been enough buzz around it. The Vikings, and again, this could fall differently, but the Vikings are going to take a quarterback in the first round. So there's been a lot of buzz around them. You know, Hendon Hooker at 23 would probably be available. But I've been seeing more and more stuff where they could work their way in up to the top of the draft to get a Will Levis, to get an Anthony Richardson. So I, I don't know who it's going to be, but I think they're going to use capital and get a quarterback this year. Uh, that's what the Vikings are going to do. So that's kind of my – I think that would shock a lot of people because they have Kirk, and they've had Kirk for a while, and he's still in a contract. Uh, but I think that'll be one of the biggest surprises of the draft. I like that. And not for you, but I, I mean, the prediction's hot. It's hot. It's hot, dog. It's burning. It's burning. It's fire. So, you got one, Paige? Uh, you can go first. Okay. Oh, oh. Hmm. okay. I had a, I had a few things, but I'm going to go Jordan Addison will fall out of the first round. Oh. The consensus top receiver. If he would have come out last year from Pitt, he was probably, I mean, he won the best receiver in college football, transfers to USC. He just doesn't really have any trait, I think, that sticks out. He ran a 4-5. He's little, doesn't have great ball skills. I think he's going to fall out of the first round after probably coming out last year would have been a top 15 pick pretty comfortably with the numbers oh, he put man. up a pit. 
Man, I think there'd be a team jumping up right to the second round to grab him too. That would and be I crazy. also just think this receiver draft is not great, which last year there were seven first rounders. And yeah, this yeah, year that actually that actually ties in really well to mine because my thought is that I like just because of the draft class, I think that you're only going to see one receiver go in the first round. I don't I think we're going to see. I don't. I don't think we're going to see a lot of receivers picked up in that first round. So I think that the first round you see one receiver go. Yeah, who's going to be one? Um, it's, it's, I want it to be Zay Flowers to the Minnesota Vikings, but it's probably going to be Jackson Smith to from Ohio State. Whoever. Okay. Okay. That's, yeah, I'm on, I, that's, that's my call. That'd be a shocker. Receiver's kind of been like the safe, surefire pick for a few years now. You go receiver in the first round, and they usually end up being good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's awesome. I uh, I'm excited. Rob, we can have you back next week as what we're going to do is we're going to pair the first round picks and pair them with who we think they're compared to in previous drafts, boom or bust related. So um should be exciting. Go Raiders, go Vikes. Hopefully I'll come we're back cheering. With tears. I'll be we'll be crying. Guaranteed. We won't have Stroud. We're going to go O-line. Peter Skrowski. It's suppressing. You're going to go Northwestern, boy. We're going to go Northwestern, big white boy. It's going to be beautiful. Hey, meat potatoes, dog. You got to take care That's of your meat right. potatoes, big That's dog. That's right. All right. Well, that'll wrap up this episode of His and Hers Podcast. Thank you for Rob for joining us. Uh, let's all have a wonderful draft season. Good luck to your teams out there. Uh, and I cannot wait to see what the Vikings and the Raiders do. See you guys next time.